Finish the statement for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but that's wrong. That's right in what you said, but that's wrong in reality. Go ahead and be seated. I call that a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, If you think that for a skinny minute that words don't hurt, then you need to wake up to a new reality. Words hurt. Words carry weight. Words can heal like a healing bomb or they can explode like an atomic bomb. Words can bring hope. Words can bring devastation. Uh, Words can bring truth. Words can bring lies. Words can build up. Words can tear down. Words are incredibly, incredibly powerful. In the scriptures, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The death and life, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let that hang out there for just a little bit as dangling fruit, if you will. And just think about that. Death and life and the power of the tongue. I could see a sword. I could see a bomb. I could see a gun. I could see somebody's hands. But a tongue, a, a flimsy piece of, of muscle tucked away in somebody's body can kill? Absolutely. If we only understood, and until we understand its power, we will wield this weapon at will, and we will do, again, either life, or we will bring death through that. The message has it in, a, I think, a better way, or maybe a way that is a little bit more picturesque. Words kill, words give life. There's either poison or fruit you choose. I like that sense of responsibility placed upon us. We are wielding this instrument. We are carrying this poison or we are carrying this fruit. We can grow and live by it or we can, again, kill those around us. But we get the choice at the end of the day. A life principle for you, you might want to jot it down if you're taking notes, is your words speak of you as much or more as your words speak for you. Your words speak of you as much or more as your words speak for you. Sometimes we got to get things off our chest. Some things I just, I got got to tell you what's on my mind. And really what we're saying is more about what's on our mind and more about what's in our heart and more about what's going on down in the well than we really realize. It's saying more about us than it is saying for us. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. It's kind of like open up your mouth and remove all doubt. If you, if you ever want to look wise, then just keep your mouth shut is what he's trying to say. Uh, open up your mouth and again, it will, the, the, the verdict will be out. The power of the tongue, the power of words. From a mother to a child, from a father to a, to, to a son, to a, to, from a husband to a wife, from a supervisor to a direct report, to a, to a peer across an aisle, to a political party across an aisle. It is incredible, the power. And it is really a manifestation of something that's going on inside. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, The mouth speaks. Where does the mouth get what the mouth says? The mouth gets it from the heart. 
So what we need to do is examine our mouth, maybe bridle our mouth, maybe put duct tape over our mouth. But what we really need to do is we need to look into the heart. And we need to understand what's going on inside of, uh, of me. What, what's down in the well will come up in the bucket. If you tip somebody, you will see what sloshes out when it comes out of their mouth. Again, just uh, the awareness of this is so important. And if you look at Solomon and you find the Proverbs as we've been, and you're going to find throughout the book of Proverbs, Daddy Solomon talking to son, again, unnamed son, uh, over and over and over again, encourage him to do multiple things. But one of those is to guard his heart. Another of those is to watch his mouth. And sometimes he puts them in the same sentence. There's one verse in particular that I have used many, many times when talking to men or talking to myself that I want to make sure that I watch over my heart with all diligence. I want to watch over my heart with all diligence for what happens for from it flows the springs of life flow out of my life. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. If you haven't noticed yet, I'm already downloading lots of verses from Proverbs to give you today. Hopefully you're going to capture these. You'll not be able to capture them just that quickly, so jot them down. But again, that verse that I've come back to so many times when talking to somebody about guarding against an emotional relationship or guarding against maybe an unethical or an ethical decision or guarding against pornography or guarding against is that verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, when he tells us to guard our hearts for everything flows out of the heart. But the real context of that is it's not talking about porn. It's not talking about emotional relationship. It's not talking about anything else. It's talking about our mouth. Watch over your heart with all diligence above everything else. You got to watch over your heart with all diligence and guard it and to protect it. Because what will happen if you're not careful? Keep, because the very next verse says this, keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So when I watch over my heart, I'm able to watch over what comes out of my mouth. Again, what's down in the bucket or what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Jesus said that the, 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 the real matter of, of, of the mouth is the real issue of, is in the heart. So again, where, where are we going with this? If you look at the Proverbs, from beginning to the end, I can't even tell you the total grand number of times that Proverbs mentions speech, the tongue, your mouth. I've ca- that's not coding on some computer screen, okay? That's literally the number of verses. So if you want to take a time as a family and take all those verses, take a picture of that right now and study those verses and you will find not even all. I added two more to that list today, just in my own prep time before coming up here on the stage. I'm still finding more and more verses where he's calling us to guard our mouth, to watch our words, to be very, very careful. Right now, I've counted somewhere close to a hundred verses that deal with what we say in the book of Proverbs. What comes out of our mouth? To guard it, to watch it, to not be a fool with it. I had an, uh, and only today, we're only going to look at 28, and we've already seen some of them. 28 of those 100 or plus verses. So here's what I want to say. Months ago, 
in my message preparation and seeking God for what was God. I knew we're going to go to Proverbs. I knew in this time of year, we need to seek wisdom long before this, this arena of world that we're living in right now, a kangaroo thing that's going on here, uh, that we call life. Uh, but anyway, I knew we were going to be, I did not know everything that would happen. Obviously I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I did feel like there's going to be some tense times. So I felt like we're going to have a message around words somewhere in this series. So on this day was a message. I had an entire message going into Thursday morning prepared for today. I felt prompting of the Lord on Friday morning to scratch that message and to write a new one. Now that may not mean much to you, but whenever you spend about 18 hours to 20 hours on a message, I, you now know what I did over the weekend is I was right. And here's what I can promise you. I can't tell you why it's going to come out. I, this may be fresh bread out of the oven, or it may be doughy bread. It may not all make sense, but if you'll give me the grace, because I'm trying to just follow the prompting of what God has laid on my heart. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at just one little section in here uh, of this big, massive mouth. Chapter 12, verse 17 to verse 19, or even, even, even into verse 20 is where we're going to focus. So find that in your Bibles. And we're going to look at chapter 12 of Proverbs and begin just to notice what Solomon does when he's writing in the Hebrew poetry, one of the most popular forms of writing poetry, we might think of rhymes and meters and things like that. They would often use parallelism and you're going to see some parallelism and we're going to bring some of it out real quickly here, just as a sample, then we'll spring off into a bunch of other uh, Proverbs. But chapter 12, verse 17, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence. Each one of these phrases matters. Each one of them builds on each other. And there's a parallel here. If you speak truth, he gives honest evidence. But false witnesses utters deceit. So there's two camps out there. There's a camp of truth and evidence. There's a camp of deceit and lies. Verse 18. There's one whose rash words are like a sword thrust. Think about that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Somebody's words can literally be like thrusting into the heart and the soul of a person. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Contrast that to parallelism. One brings death and pain and suffering. One brings healing. Again, notice the power of the tongue and the the parallel uh, imagery that's going on here. Verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever. It will last. It will prove itself in the end. But lying tongue only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart. Where does it come from? The heart. Again, you've got to watch over the heart because that's where all the lies come from. For those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Some are out with evil intent. Some are out with peace. This is just one of the passages that points to what comes out of the, comes up in the bucket is really pointing what's down in the well. And we have to be very, very careful. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, the words of the wise. We talked about wise fools and evil last week. Go back and listen to that message. Wise fools and evil. The wise, the words of the wise are like a life giving fountain. 
But the words of the wicked or the evil, what are they like? They are count, they, they conceal violent intentions. So be careful what you're saying, what you're hearing, what you're giving credence to, that you're not listening to evil, conceited, violent intentions. How does it manifest itself? I want to zero in on that life-giving fountain or violent intentions. It has life or it has death. There's basically two manifestations, if you will, of our words. Two fruits, two things that come out of our words. If you have your notes or if you're taking notes, you might literally take your worship guide and draw a line down the middle. And on one side of that, put life taking. On the other side, put life giving. Because that's really what we come down to. What comes out of our mouth is either going to tear somebody's life down or it's going to build somebody's life up. It's going to breathe life into them or it's going to take, it's going to take life from them. It's going to be healing or it's going to be evil and toxin. Let's break these down as quickly as we possibly can. Two impacts of these, of of the words that come out of our mouth that originate from where? Our heart. Okay? It's a heart issue more than it's a mouth issue, but we see it in the mouth and manifests itself in the mouth in what comes out. Life-taking communication. Let's talk about the negative before we go to the positive. Sometimes our words will take life. It will take the joy of life. It will take, if you spread rumors, it will take the character and the reputation of life. It will take the peace of life. There's so many ways you can measure and stack up life rather than just the pulse that you breathe. But my friends, let me tell you this. In the age of bullying and social media and what's happening in our teenage world today and the number of suicides that are happening in this world, I will say it's literally also taking physical life. We have got to be cognizant of this, very aware, and also realize this, that Paul, when he's talking about it, Galatians chapter 5, he literally calls it the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit. You go read Galatians 5 for yourself. He's going to talk about rivalry. He's going to talk about anger. He's going to talk about a lot of the things, the ways that words manifest themselves when they come out of us. And in 2 Timothy, he's talking to young Timothy, and he says this, you've got to be careful because some words become like gangrene poison toxins in the body this is the way he said it in the message he says words are not mere words you know if they're not backed by a godly life they accumulate as poison in the soul words aren't just words words carry something with them that can be incredibly deadly. Gangrene is whenever there's a toxin that gets in your blood, gets in your muscle, gets in your fibers of who you are, but it doesn't get out and gangrene sets up. Nobody wants that. We have modern medicine that you want to get rid of that as fast as possible. Well, in the reality of the day in which Paul was writing, you could literally lose your life because of gangrene and it would not be a pleasant way to die. As if there is a pleasant way to die. It would be a painful part of your body that would literally die bit by bit by bit until eventually you were completely dead. And that's what he describes it as. I want to call the messages that we give, when we give destructive messages, what happens? These are messages of mass destruction. 
messages of mass destruction. Number one is whenever we fabricate lies, when we create narratives, when we want the story to represent us and who we are and what we want, and we want to alter it just a little bit or a lot to make it like we want. Lying is there's two Hebrew words, and it's the most common representation of not of speech that we're not to do in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 14 of Proverbs, verse 5, it says, A truthful witness saves lives. Notice again the parallel. Life and truth go hand in hand together. Notice the parallel in the next statement. But a false witness breathes lies. A truthful witness saves lives. He said it twice in the same chapter. But false witnesses, a false witness is a traitor. The reality is that we lie and we lie to ourselves. We lie to others on a quite regular basis. A book that I started reading last fall was a book uh, by Dr. William Backus, a, psycholo- a psychiatrist. And he, the book is titled, Your, Tell Yourself the Truth. Tell Yourself the Truth. Because what happens is not only are, do we lie to others, deceive others, fabricate stories to, to tell them, we will start believing those stories. And we will start telling ourselves lies. And we will start doing harm to ourselves, living in our own lie. He estimates, this psychiatrist estimates that we lie to ourselves 200 times a day. Think about that. I, I can't even imagine that. But it makes me want to go back and listen to all the voices in my head again. Listen to all the narratives that I read, I write, I, 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 I watch on television or I see on social media and say, how many of these are truth? How many of these are lies? Number two, mass destruction of a message is it stirs up arguments. Have you met some people, have you ever met one of these people that they're just in argument looking for a place to happen? I mean, literally, they're, they're just like, there, what, where, where, how'd we get here? And then all of a sudden it's just an argument that, that just happened. And, and but, but it's like, this is a trend and, a, and something that happens in their world, in their life. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21, a quarrelsome person. Notice he didn't just say there's a quarrel because we all have quarrels. We all have arguments. If you're around anybody, you're going to have a disagreement. That's, that's, but a quarrelsome person is a different thing. Who starts fights as easily as a hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Slanders others. The third. The third way that mass messages of mass destruction go out is slander. Slander is whenever we take, we have a problem with the person, but we don't take the problem to the person. We take the problem to other people. Follow that train of thought. I don't take the problem to the person. I take the problem to other, per, other people out there to try to get them on my side, to try to tear down that person's reputation, to try to, to try to undercut them. It literally is the word for defamation in the Hebrew language. When you try to defame someone, when you want to tear someone's reputation down, when you want to tear down their character, that is slander. And what does Proverbs say about slander? But in chapter 10, verse 18, slandering others makes you a fool. Slandering others makes you a fool. You ever hear somebody talking and they go, they're trying to get me on their side. They're trying to get me to buy in. 
I know there's two sides to every story. And there's probably actually a third one that's in the middle, and that's probably where the truth really is. Defamation is one of those things where we tear down. It literally means in the Akkadian language to speak, to charge, to plot. It's an Akkadian word by its origination. It went to a Hebrew word to become slander, but it means to speak, to charge, to plot, where you literally are working at tearing down something in somebody or system or way or world in Proverbs mentions in four different times, chapter 10, verse 12, chapter 15, verse 18, 28, verse 25, 29, verse 22, talks about people who stir up strife. Stirring up strife is what we have to be careful for because in Proverbs 10, verse 6, says the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. This past week, I had a mother tell me of what had happened to her daughter at school this past week. Because of all the political fighting and infighting that's happening online and on television and with mothers and dads and parents and brothers and sisters and family members, and it's, it's just a, this anger that's seething in our land. What had happened is this young teenage daughter was at school and she was with her friends and she expressed her political opinion. They expressed their political opinion and they began to isolate her. Isolate her to the point that she, the mother's telling me this this week, the mother, so th- this, this child is now isolated. They develop an Instagram page for her, a fake page for her and others who don't agree with their political position and begin to assault her and attack her, post fo- uh, photos of her and, and say things like, we need to social distance from this person and say, in essence, saying, get away from them. Don't get, don't be her friend. And this child goes home, needless to say, quite upset. The school was responding to it. But I'm just saying, guys, what we do as adults, our children, what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. And if we don't straighten it up, church, and get rid of this fighting, and become the peacemakers that are the known as the children of God, Matthew chapter 5, then we are missing an opportunity to bring peace and hope and acceptance. God forbid that we would participate in slander because the next one is we participate in gossip. Slanderers are more aggressive. They're in your face. They're in other people's face. They are intent about tearing you down. Gossipers, they're more passive aggressive and less aggressive. They're, uh, the, the slanders are more uh, overt. The, 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 the gossipers are more subvert. They actually try to do things behind the scenes and start sharing things. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. The gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. What's worse? Slanders or gossipers? I don't know. In my face, calling me out, trying to tear me down, or behind my back, being passive aggressive and gossiping about me. 
I don't know. In fact, if you're watching online today, I would like you to go into the comment section right now and write, which is worse, gossipers or slanderers? Which is worse? What do you say in this room? Here's what I want to challenge you. If you're not a part of a group, get a part of a group because what we're going to do this week, this, this, this message that we're talking about, we talk about them in our groups. So go into your group and talk about what about gossip? What about slander? What is worse? What is more toxic and more destructive? And to be honest with you, I just don't know. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. They actually go out looking for stories. Liars pay close attention to slander. Notice these two are put in the same verse, side by side. At the end of the day, we got to realize we will be held accountable. Whether we're slander, we gossip, or we're an arguer, quarrelsome person, or we're creating our story, our narratives, we got to realize there will be a day of a reckoning. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. I tell you, Jesus speaking here, on that day of judgment, uh, a day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. I don't do that to try to fear you into this. I just want to put you in the reality that our words matter. They carry so much weight. Enough to kill someone. Think about that teenage girl who doesn't want to go back to school now. Wants to change schools because of that one cyberbullying event. That's what happens when we let our words take over. Let's talk about life-giving communication. Because if there's anything we need to rise up to, and that's to be life-givers in our communication... The words of the wise are life-giving fountain. We read it earlier. That speaks of a quantity here, a life-giving fountain. But the words of the godly are like sterling silver, it says in verse 20, a few verses later. So it speaks of a quality. So literally, you can improve the quality and the quantity of someone's life by your words. What if we become that person who's out there breathing life into a toxic world? How do you do that? How do you communicate this? Listen carefully because communication begins by listening. I know communication sounds like it's something I'm saying, but actually the very first act of communicating is listening. And what if we stopped the first words and started the first word with being, say, tell me about, ask a question, lean in a little bit. Proverbs 13, 3 says those who can, who control their tongue will have a long life. The whole presence, your whole presence in a situation will be, can be one of the first things that you do. So here's, here's what we do. We need to understand what holy listening means, okay? To holy listen. Now, not the, the sanctifying word, but completely, how can I be fully present? The whole presence and the first words people hear, it need to be me listening. How does that communicate? I'm communicating this. I'm communicating you value and I want to hear from you. A life principle is lead with your ears and not with your words. Tell me about, ask questions. Do you realize in the New Testament alone, in the gospels alone, that there's 133 questions that Jesus asked? He knew it all. But what does he do? 
he asks questions. 133 times he's asking questions. Listen before you speak and more than you speak. I think that's what the Bible's saying in James chapter 1 verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. He literally says that in the context. If you remember James from the summer when we did a study through James, James is, 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 is in the context of, uh, of like a New Testament Proverbs. He's calling us to be better listeners. Dallas Willard, I told you last week, is one of the guys that I'm leaning in and learning as much as I can from. He's gone to be with Jesus now, but he has a grasp on the disciplines of the faith, unlike few of the people who lived in my, I've lived in their lifetime, or they've lived in my lifetime. But Dallas Willard would be one of the top five. But I heard just recently that towards the end of his life, when probably he was at his wisest, he probably had more answers to give and more, more truth to expound. He started practicing this discipline of not giving the last word. Think about that. Not giving the last word. So where literally you get to say the last word. Again, just a, a new twist on it. You think the wisest person should have the last word. Well, what he would want to do is give you the last word. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. How do we be wholly listening to other people? Holy listening requires active listening in the psychology term, in the counseling terms. Actively listening is what we call it whenever we're doing premarital counseling. Actively listening is what I talk to with a couple whenever they're coming in and they're fighting and they're not communicating. Let's talk about actively listening. What does actively listening look like, sound like, smell like, taste like? Actively listening means involving the ears. Remember I said lead with your ears. May the first words that they hear is that you are listening to them. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven. Actively listen with your eyes. Be fully locked in on them, listening to them. I love it. What if we took the same posture with others as the God of the universe did with us? How does God treat us as his children? If you're a child of God today, I have good news for you. Psalm 37, 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God is looking at you and his ears are attentive to their cry. Go back to last week when we contrast that with the wicked and how does God listen to them? Actively listen with your emotions. This is where we become empathy listeners. Sympathy says, I hurt for you. Empathy says, I hurt with you. Empathy, sympathy says, you're in a well, you're in a pit, you're in a a dungeon. Man, I'm sorry to see that. Empathy crawls down in the dungeon with you. When you listen with your emotions, when you listen with yourself, you enter into their story and they don't have to enter into your story. But they will want to be in your story after you've entered into their story. Paul said it like this in Romans 12, 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's empathy. 
when you enter in. Husbands and wife, you want to know the best way to enter into an intimate relationship with one another? Listen with your ears. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your emotions. Be all there. May the first thing that they hear is I'm present and I'm fully here. Then, now this may sound like a contradiction, an oxymoron, actively listen with your words. This is when I start paying attention to the words that come out of my mouth. Are they landing well? Did I say it right? Did I say something offensive? So now it's not just, I got it off my chest, now deal with it. No, actively listening with your words means that you will do what Proverbs talks about doing. You will understand the power of them. Proverbs fifteen twenty three says that words are timely. Uh, Proverbs 16, 15, verse 4 says that gentle words are a tree of life. Uh, Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. When I read that, I, I thought, that's the trifecta of communication. It's, it's timely, it's gentle, it's soft. It gives me the when, timely. The what, gentle. The how, soft. It tells me how to be in communication with others. Listen, I am learning this, my friends, if you know anything about my personality. I am learning this. I'm not there yet. Once I have wholly listened, listen, to this, then I've earned the right to speak truth. If I don't first listen, I haven't earned the right to speak. That may be the most important, that may be worth you getting out of bed and getting dressed this morning. Listening gives you the right to be heard. Once you're, once you're here, then you bring truth. Paul talks about bringing truth in love. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Be the truth teller. Be the one who brings truth in a world of relativism. Bring truth of God, timeless truth of scripture. Bring it, bring it fully, because what happens is you will be trapped otherwise. You'll be trapped in lies and covering up lies and covering up mistakes. And you'll be trapped in this horrible... The wicked are trapped by their own words. They're trapped by their own words. I, I, I think what we have to do is we have to do what David did. The band's going to come back out here in just a second. And they're going to play and we're going to sing and we're going to worship. But I want you to reflect on this, what David said in Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now notice that. Let's read this verse in reverse. Start with my redeemer because that's where it all happens. Until I have a relationship with Jesus, this is not going to change what's down in my heart. My Jesus is my redeemer. I am tethered to the rock, a foundation of truth that does not move. He is my rock. And also, I want to make sure that the meditations of my heart are acceptable. I want to make sure that everything is locked and loaded and that he is looking inside of me. And he is pleased with what's inside of me. Because what's inside of me, what? Will come out of me. That my mouth 
the words of my mouth would be right. You will not fix the words of your mouth until you know Jesus is your redeemer. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, unlike anybody else, the church, your church, your believers, your family has something this world is desperate in need of. And that is life-giving words. Words that breathe life and are a healing bomb and not an atomic bomb. That create death and division and dissension and slander and lies. May we pull aside the, the trappings of politics, the the history of our, uh, uh, of our nation. Lord, may we look to your word. This is not about patriotism. This is about obedience to a holy God, our redeemer, not America. It's about you, our redeemer, who is our rock, who cleans up our thoughts, who enables our words to be right and pure and good. Would you, Lord, show us where, not others, would you show us And would you speak to us where we need to be right with you? And anybody in this room, Lord, does not know you as their redeemer. Oh, Father, I pray they would come and trust you today and say yes to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?